here tonight so I don't forget it. I left it, almost left it up here this morning. And I forgot it was here. I, I, I was like, man, I could use a quick sip of water. I forgot I'd set it there. So I'll set it there tonight if that's okay. Um, it's good to be with you guys again tonight. And uh, I was at a wedding shower uh, here just a few minutes ago. Um, our uh, One of our uh, current seniors uh, and a student that then also just graduated back in December, uh, they'll both be going on staff with me in the fall. Um, they're getting married. And uh, so uh, we, were, we were at their wedding shower. And we walked in, and there was a container of Hershey's Kisses. And it said, guess how many kisses? And my daughter Reese was with us. We left the rest of the kids at the house. And they're, they're old enough to stay by themselves. Um, but Reese, I mean, Reese could have stayed with them too. My, my, my oldest is 15. But anyways, um, she wanted to go with us. We're like, all right, you can go with us. And so uh, Mallory said, Reese, how many do you think is in there? And uh, Reese was like, I don't know. So Mallory said, I think there's a hundred and, I don't know, hundred. And Reese said, 12. She said, okay, I'll write down 112. She wrote down 112. They won 111 Hershey Kisses. They were the closest to it. So you got to be kidding me. It didn't look like 112. I thought it was about 80 or so. I lost. But anyways, I'll eat them. They'll be at my house anyway, so it'll work out. So, so yeah, so it was a good afternoon. Bunch of Hershey's Kisses. That was good. So anyway, so that was fun. Um, it was one of those neat things because it's where uh, the two ministries, that the previous ministry at Beach Haven and the current ministry at BCM sort of collided. There was a bunch of students from both, so that was kind of neat, you know, to, 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 get to get to reminisce a little bit. But anyways, uh, tonight, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 1 through verse 5, and we're going to talk about this idea of going from tribulation to celebration, from tribulation to celebration. And I love what Paul does here in chapter 5. In these first five verses because he talks about at the beginning of chapter 5 that we're justified by faith and ultimately that, that that removes this separation that we have with God. He talks about that we're brought back to peace with God and that we're enemies of God and so forth. And then though he talks about glorying in that fact, exulting in that fact, uh, celebrating that fact. And then he says in verse 3, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. And that, that's, that's such an interesting turn immediately to me. Because it's like, hey man, check this out. Jesus Christ has saved you. You've been justified in Christ. And that means you're at peace with God. And we're going to glory in that. Oh, and by the way, we're also going to glory in all the uh, sufferings that we have as well. And so when, when you read about sufferings in Scripture, the, the reality is, I, I think sometimes if we're not careful, um, we feel like, that, that, you know, hey, we give our hearts and life to Jesus, like we try to follow him, and, you know, we, we almost have this expectation, if we're not careful, that, that that's going to make everything just hunky-dory, right? That, that life's going to, you know, you do what you're supposed to, you're obedient to God, and he's going to take care of you. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that uh, Christians are not immune to suffering. Christians are not immune to tribulation. And the truth of the matter is, is that the more sinful and dark that our world gets, the more that that really occurs. And so I want us to look at this tonight and see how is it that we can get from this idea of tribulation. And uh, I almost just used the word suffering, but tribulation and celebration sort of rhyme a little bit, so we just rolled with it. Uh, but how we get from tribulation to celebration in our life, uh, particularly when we're facing afflictions and suffering that are difficult to deal with. And what in the world place does that play in our walk with Jesus Christ to begin with? So with that in mind, let's go ahead and begin reading in verse 1 of Romans chapter 5. Paul writes and says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. Man, that's good stuff. Those two verses, it's like, man, this is awesome. And then in verse 3, And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Let's pray tonight. Lord, we ask you tonight, help us to recognize that because we have you as Lord and Savior, because we have you who has secured our eternity, Lord, that, um, well, the bottom line is, Lord, that we're going to face suffering, but because we have you, we know that there is hope still. And so, Lord, help us to hold on to that. Help us to see tonight, Lord, that if there's anybody in this room that's dealing with an affliction in their life, whether it's, it's health-related, whether it's relationship-related, whether it's family, children, job-related, Lord, whatever that suffering, that affliction, that tribulation may be that they're going through, Lord, help them to see tonight, Lord, that there is a, a purpose behind the process. And so, Lord, help them, Lord, to trust you even in the midst of those dark times in their life. So, Lord, we give you all the honor and glory for this tonight. Help this tonight to be an encouragement to all of our hearts and all of our minds. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so, tribulation. Nobody likes it. Suffering, nobody likes it. Afflictions, nobody likes it. But the reality is we live in a dark, sinful, broken world. If there's any question that you get asked over and over again as a, as a minister of the gospel, the question that you hear, particularly if you're speaking with someone that's lost, particularly if you're speaking with someone that doesn't uh, know what they believe, whether they, you know, they claim they're agnostic, atheist, etc. But one of the questions that you get all the time over and over again is, why does God allow suffering? Right? Like you may have been there. You may have had somebody ask you that question. Why does God allow suffering? Right? You know, the famous one, hey, why does, why does God allow, you know, uh, bad stuff that happened to good people? I, I had an old preacher buddy of mine that used to say, well, that's because there aren't any good people. Um, that's not the softest response. I mean, there's some truth to it, but it's not the softest response, right? Uh, but the truth is, is that we do face tr- suffering. We do face tribulations. And so here in verse 3, particularly through verse 5, we're told to exult in those tribulations, to literally celebrate the fact uh, that we <laughs> that that we suffer, and that's on the surface that just doesn't make any sense. Because I don't know about you, but suffering's not fun, right? I mean, when you deal with the death of a loved one, that's not fun. When when you deal with sickness, that's not fun, right? When you deal with relationships that, 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 that are broken, that's not fun. Like, I mean, none of that. And in the midst of it, it doesn't seem in any way, shape, form, or fashion that it, it can be good. And so, you know, a lot of times if we're not careful, what happens is, is, is people say, well, God can take that bad thing and turn it into good. And, and that's even a dangerous statement to make because then we're sort of on this weird place as you're saying, okay, so God can take darkness and sin and something that's bad and make it good. And, and I would dare say that's dangerous. Because there are times in life where bad stuff happens and you can't do anything but call it bad. Right? But yet we also have this promise that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So it doesn't make that bad thing become good, but there is this promise for those who love God and are His called, those who are called according to His purpose. The bottom line is, is that all things do work together for good. Now we don't always see that here. 
on this side of glory, and I get that. But I think that Paul leaves out some, some little crumbs for us in this passage tonight that helps us to see that suffering and tribulation does have its place. And that if we understand that, that it can lead us to a place ultimately of celebration. And so what I want us to see tonight is four things on why in the world Paul would say to exult in our tribulation. First thing I want us to see tonight is this, is that tribulation produces completeness. Tribulation produces completeness. Verse 3 says these words. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and so on and so forth. Now I want us to focus on this word perseverance for just a second. If you were to go back to the Greek, and then you, were to, you could also translate that word as not just perseverance, but patience or persistence. Right? Patience or persistence. In the sports world, it's that idea of just keep chopping, right? Like, you know, you're, you're, you're chopping down a tree, and you just keep chopping. And eventually, it looks like you're not doing much, but eventually you get there. You got it? That's persistence. That's patience. That's perseverance. Uh, we know that James writes in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 5, that ultimately patience produces perfection. And that perfection is not in the sense that we're holy or pure, but it's in the sense that we're complete. Right? That what patience does in our life, so this idea of perseverance, patience, and persistence, what it does for us is it produces a completeness. And so here's the point. The point is, is that there is a process to tribulation and afflictions, and there is an end goal to it. There is an end goal to us suffering in this world. I want you to think about the fact that when we think about this idea that suffering and tribulation leads to patience or persistence or perseverance and that ultimately that leads to this completeness what that is it's a picture of sanctification right it's a picture of becoming more and more like Jesus like it would be a miss to say that that it, once you come to know Christ as Lord and Savior that boom it's all over with wouldn't it I, I mean we don't tell people hey give your heart and life to Jesus and then just go live however you want to live it's not what we do. We don't say, hey, give your heart and life to Jesus and then, you know, go sit in a closet somewhere and just sing Kumbaya until your days have passed and you pass away. That's not what we do, right? It's not what we do. No. We recognize that when someone gives their heart and life to Christ, you can look back at your life and recognize that, that yes, that secured your, eternal, your eternity. There's no question, right? Like that is the moment of justification. That is the moment of salvation in your life. But we forget this fact that, listen, there's been a journey. There's a process, right? And part of that process is suffering. It, it, it's through that suffering that, that we find in other places in Scripture that we can actually identify with Christ. And boy, you talk about this, this great opportunity, to, to timing-wise, to talk about this idea of suffering and tribulation, identifying with Christ. Man, I mean, we're, you know, Palm Sunday, right? I mean, Friday, Christ be crucified right so think about that when we suffer we're being made more like jesus now that doesn't make any easier right <laughs> um so uh i know i've been picked at i think every single time i've preached about being the campus minister at the university of georgia because there's some 
North Avenue Georgia Tech people. Isn't that where that school is down there? Like, right, yeah, yeah, like the trade school down there or something like that. I'm, I'm just kidding. All right, but listen, the rest of you are going to hate me now. Um, I grew up an Alabama fan. Born in South Alabama. My dad's pastored off and on between Georgia and out the state of Alabama. Even when we moved to Georgia, when my dad was pastoring, we moved to Columbus, which might as well be Alabama. I'm just being honest. Um, and so, um, yeah, yeah, you see? Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Um, so everybody else calls him Satan. I call him Saban. Um, it's weird, though, because I got to tell you, like, I, I've, always, I, I have, I've always actually been a Georgia fan, too. And I think part of the reason it was easy for me is because the time period in which I grew up, neither one of them were ever a threat to the other. Uh, and, and I mean, like, seriously, like, it just never was a threat. So, like, you could root safely for Alabama, and that, I mean, that's like, like, bleed crimson kind of thing, right? But you could, you know, oh, hey, when's Georgia playing? Let's turn the TV on and watch them and, and root for them as well. I, you get what I'm saying? And so, um, you know, you, you go back and you talk about all the guys in, throughout the history of Georgia that played at Georgia. Like, I, you know, I can name all those guys as well. But, the problem occurred is that now they're both good. And it just so happens that, because you think about it, like, I mean, I was, this is, this is how crazy of an Alabama fan I was. When we live in Columbus. I mean, it's a very easy ride over to Tuscaloosa. And I was sitting beside the, the uh, northern Illinois section um, when Michael Turner, that ended up playing for the Atlanta Falcons, was their running back. And, and uh, that year, Alabama went four and eight on the season. Uh, and that was their second game of the season, and they were ranked in the top 25, and Northern Illinois beat them in Tuscaloosa. I was there. It was exciting. Woo! Okay? Uh, long story short, um, the thing is, is that it was during that window of time that, that you know, Rick was in his heyday, and Georgia was, was really good. Right? I know somebody's going to say, well, not good enough, but, but still, like, really good. I mean, Alabama was winning like four, five, six ball games a year for a few years there. And then, you know, as, as, as you got toward the end of Rick's years, like Saban rolls in and like Alabama gets real good. So still, again, it's like I can cheer for them both, right? And now, they play each other, it seems like, every year in the SEC championship or the national championship. And it's terrible. It's an awful time for me to live in Athens, Georgia. It's a cool time for me. To live. I really, I, I've loved the experience. Like, our students, so I took my son. Now, my oldest son, Brady, is like diehard. Like, he is like, you know, why'd you take me to Athens, like, kind of thing. Like, that's like, he's like, can we move to Tuscaloosa? Like, like that would be his dream, I think, to be in Tuscaloosa. And so, uh, we're not going to Tuscaloosa. I love Athens. But anyways, the point is, is that... Um, I take him to the Alabama-Georgia basketball game on a Tuesday night before gathering. And we, uh, we get, they, they come and grab us and said, hey, y'all, want, y'all are going to get seats down here. You know, the comfy seats right down there behind the, the, uh, the benches, right? They're like, hey, you, you just won the little thing where you get to move down here right behind the, the, the bench. And so all of my BCM students are like in the student section there at the basketball game. And me and Brady go up on like the screen, you know, and they're like, hey, our Georgia fans today, blah, 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 blah. I told Brady, I was smart enough to tell Brady, do not wear any of your Alabama stuff tonight. Do not do it. I had no idea that was going to happen. 
the Lord was looking out for us. You know, his sovereignty was great that night. But anyways, the point is, is that also uh, when the, uh, the national championship parade and, and, and all that stuff happened, um, I, uh, I had shot a message to the ticket office. And I was like, hey, uh, can I get some tickets for the parade, for the celebration um, through our student org? Uh, for my staff, because I want our staff to, to be able to go and celebrate it and whatever. And we had a big event that weekend as well with uh, a bunch of the college students all around the town and, and a bunch of the Baptist churches. And so um, I get there, and my tickets that they had gotten us were on the field. So we were like on the field for the celebration, right? Now, my youngest son is like, hates Alabama. Like, it's crazy. Like, he really does. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. I just have to explain myself so y'all don't run me out of here. All right? Long story, I get it. But, so, my students now have this, like, image that every time I go to a University of Georgia sporting event, like, I get some sort of special privilege, and they don't, they, like, they, like, my president this year, Mark Grace, is, like, angry about it. He's like, Tommy, you literally got to sit down there with all the athletes at the celebration on the field, and you're an Alabama fan. You went to Indianapolis to root for Alabama, and you were sitting down there on the field at the celebration. And I'm like, hey, it's the best recruiting job they've ever done. Like, I'm almost fully bought in. Like, I mean, you understand what I'm saying, right? They already got my youngest son. My oldest son, we walk out of there, and he goes, Dad, I got to be honest with you. I'm still kind of sad Alabama lost, but that was probably the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. I was like, yeah, it was pretty neat, wasn't it? Right? So anyways, I say all that to say this. That guy, Nick Saban, that everybody over here in Athens hates, all right, he has this thing called the process. See, I told you I was getting somewhere. And the process ain't easy. And a lot of guys don't make it. I mean, they have as many four- and five-star recruits that come in there and end up transferring out as they do this stay. Like, it's crazy. And it's funny because the reality is, is, Kirby's the same guy. Like, he really is. Like, I know some of the guys on the staff. Like, Kirby's doing the same thing. The point is, they're so good because there's a process. And they're not result-driven, but they're process-driven. You see what I'm saying with this? Right? And the point is this. Is, is the reason that the University of Georgia's football team is so good now, the reason that University of Alabama's football team for the last decade has been so good is because those guys understand that they have a process that they have to go to to reach this level of completeness where that they can be what they need to be on the field on Saturday. Now, how in the world does that have anything to do with Romans chapter 5? Stay with me. Suffering and tribulation is a process that we have to go through as believers for us to reach that stage of completeness that will not end until the point that we are called home to be with Jesus. Now, I'm not comparing heaven to Saturdays in Athens or in Tuscaloosa, I promise. All right? But my point is this. Sometimes processes aren't easy. And while that 18, 19, 20-year-old athlete may not be able to make it through if we have jesus we know we will we know that we will see because there is a process to tribulations and afflictions in producing completeness we can know that one it will end right one day it will end 
Two, we know that it will grow us or teach us. So therefore, we must remain persistent. We must. We must remain patient. And we must persevere. We must keep chopping the wood. We must keep doing what God has called us to do because at the end of the day, while we don't know what the next day is going to look like, we can trust the fact that in the midst of whatever suffering and affliction and tribulation that we're going to or going through, God is working in us and he's working through us to make us more like him. Because we know the promise that tribulation produces patience and persistence and perseverance, which James tells us leads to completeness. Not only does tribulation produce completeness, but I want you to see, secondly, tribulation produces character. Boy, that story was not supposed to take that long. I apologize. It's all right. Verse 4. And perseverance proven character do you notice here that what paul is saying is that literally this patience persistence perseverance that it is that that produces character now now i understand that a lot of times we say that character is it's 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 who we say we are it's us being who we say we are right like character is is more than just you saying you are it's actually who you are right and i've heard many people say that in trials and tribulation that's where your character actually is revealed, right? Like, I, I've heard that, and there's some truth to that. There's no, there's no doubt that your spiritual maturity at where it is is revealed in the midst of those trials and tribulations, right? Like, your character, your integrity, all those things are revealed in the midst of when things are going bad. But I want you to think about this for just a second. If you respond correctly in the midst of those trials, if you respond with persistence and patience, if, and, and when we say, what does that mean? What does it mean to be persistent and patient when it comes to our faith? Does that mean, you know, I just, you know, I got to be persistent in getting up and going to work every day. I got to be persistent in, you know, uh, taking care of my kids. That, no, we're talking about persistence and patience when it comes to our faith. So what that means is, is that we, we stay in God's word. What that means is, is we keep serving. What that means is, is we keep worshiping. What that means is, is we keep sharing. Do you see what I'm saying? Right? We keep doing the things we know God's called us to do as believers. Even when it's hard. Even when it's tiring. Even when it seems that the result is not what we want it to be. And it just seems like all it's doing is leading us down a path of suffering. Because the promise is this, in that the midst of that, when we are persistent and we keep on keeping on, it's not just that in that moment our character is revealed, but it's also in that moment where our character is produced. I mean, we could probably think about in our lives, moments in our life where we went through a difficult struggle in our life. And in the midst of that difficult struggle, we may have started at this place of spiritual maturity, right? (laughs) But if we respond correctly, you're not going to stay the same. Not going to happen. Right? If you respond correctly. Had a young man I was meeting with the other day, and this young man had applied for a leadership position um, at one of our catalyst positions. This we call leadership spots at the BCM. I love this guy. He is literally one of my favorite students at the BCM. He He will shoot you straight. Like, he will just say it how it is. He's got a witty sense of humor about him. He, he's, a, he's a Pied Piper when it comes to people, if you understand what I mean. Like, you know, he, 
you know, and everybody follows kind of thing, right? Like, that's, that's him. I, I, know, I knew that he had kind of had a checkered past, and so, uh, you know, the bottom line is, is that um, I felt like, and, and I talked with this college pastor from one of our local churches as well, and I was like, man, this is, the, this, is this kid's opportunity. Like, let's put him in this position to serve. Like, let's walk him through this. And lo and behold, we find out just the other day, he came clean on some stuff. There were some things that he was dealing with in his life, some poor decisions he made over the last few months that really sort of, for lack of a better way of putting it, disqualified him from serving in the role that he was going to serve in. And so I, I called his college pastor. I said, hey, let's meet with this kid. And so we called this kid in, and we're sitting down, and we're chatting with him. And he goes, man, he said, I, I feel like that, you know, he was, he was very gracious, and he was, he was very repentant, to be honest with you. And he was like, man, I, I just feel like this is just a big, like, block in the road for, like, what I want to do. I mean, he wants to serve, right? And, and, and he's still going to be able to serve in some way. He just can't do what he was going to do, right? And uh, his college pastor said, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want you to understand that, like, this is not, like, the end. This is actually probably, if you respond right, the beginning of a significant period of growth in your life. See, for this young man, and he brought it on to himself, no question asked. But his lack of spiritual maturity and lack of character into some things was revealed in a moment that in his own personal life very much feels like suffering and tribulation. Now, he created himself, but that's very much what it feels like. And in his own, in his own way, it, it really is. And his character was revealed as sort of lacking in that moment. However, yes, it revealed his character there. But if he walks through the process that we have laid out for him to walk through, I can guarantee you that when this is said and done, his character's not going to be here. His character's going to be here. Right? If he maintains perseverance and persistence and patience through the process. And it ain't going to be easy. I can tell you. Like he had to go and call the person that he was going to be working with and say, hey, I, I had to step out of this position. Right? Hardest thing I had to do was a couple days later, I had to give him some time to talk to who he felt like he needed to talk to. I had to go remove him from the group me. That was terrible. From the little leadership group me. And immediately I got a text message from one of our other students who's on leadership that said, hey, what, what's going on? And I'm like, well, this is great. I can't tell you. You know, like, <laughs> you know. So I have to give that, you know, vanilla, hey, he had some things come up in his life. He's just not going to be able to serve right now. <laughs> that's great. Whew. Man, that's hard. But I'm telling you, doesn't matter whether the suffering, you bring it on yourself or whether it's just dealing with the lostness of this world. If you will remain true to Christ in the midst of it, your character will not only be revealed, but your character will grow as well. You know, in the Greek, this idea of character is the idea of the word experience or proof. It's the word of experience or proof. See, it's through our experiences as Christians that our faith is proven. It's through our experiences as Christians that our faith is grown. It's through our experiences as Christians that our faith in many ways is sifted. And so tribulation and suffering becomes a litmus test of where we are in our faith. 
what it becomes. But you know, some may say, well, that means it sounds like it's a, it's a thermometer. Yeah, I said that right. Yes, that's right. But you know, suffering doesn't just have to be a thermometer of where we are in our faith. Do you realize suffering can also be a thermostat? It's both. It tells you where you are in your faith, but it can also, you know, turn that heat up a little bit, right? Like it can. So tribulation produces completeness. It produces character. And then thoroughly denied, it produces confidence. It produces confidence. Notice what it says here in in, in verse 4. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And in verse 5, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Tribulation produces confidence because it produces hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. That's why we sing that, right? On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. God, the reality is this, is that we can have confidence in the midst of our tribulation because we have a hope that we have in Jesus Christ that is from God who cannot lie. There is no greater confidence than that. With each tribulation, we make it through. With each trial, we make it through. With each period of suffering in our life, we make it through. If we maintain the right view of that suffering, if we maintain persistence and character through that suffering, what will happen is is that we will see somewhere on the other side how God has used that suffering in our life to strengthen us, to make us more like Him, sometimes to grow us closer to others, right? And in those moments, what happens is, is then when you face the next one, it's just a little more hope, isn't there? It's a little more confidence, isn't there? Because you know God's already seen you through it one time. And guys, you've seen this play out because you've seen it play out where maybe in your life that you went through some suffering or some tribulation in your life and maybe it wasn't that it was that you ended up going through another one later in your life, but maybe it was that God used you to help bring confidence and hope into someone else who began to go through something similar, similar later on down the road. That's good stuff, isn't it? Verse 5 says that God... <laughs> Does not disappoint. One translation says he cannot be put to shame. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Think about that for a second. God loved us enough. That he's taking care of our eternity. The things of this world are passing. Right? They don't last forever. And God took care of our eternity. So when we suffer. And we take a step back. Look, look, I am, I am not one. Like, you know, some folks are like, I oh, just got to get over it. Got to move on. No, no, look. Life stinks sometimes. Just be honest about it. I mean, it does. It gets hard. The day that I found out that that young man had had some issues in his life that was going to disqualify him from serving, 
was also the day that I had a guy walk off the street whose dad had gotten saved in the BCM back in like the 50s or 60s who had become a Baptist pastor and who had sexually abused his son. And this son walks in off the street. And this son comes to me and wants to know what I'm going to do about it. Now, I say well, he wasn't a homeless guy. Like, he was a guy that lives in Athens. And he says, hey, this is my dad. I mean, I, we, I, I did the whole social media, like, stalking to make sure this dude's story lined up. And, and it did. Hey, this is my dad. My dad pastored for, for like, 30-something years in the SBC. And uh, what people didn't know is my dad was doing this, this, and this to me. And he told me, and I was like, ooh. And I, I told the guy, I said, listen, I said, I'm sorry. That's awful. Nobody should ever have to go through that. And this man was so broken because it was clear he did not know Christ as Lord and Savior. He did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It was also clear, to be honest with you, that he needed some, some help. More help than I could give. And he very angrily said, but are you? I'll tell you what. When my first four hours of the day was having to call the campus police to our building because of a guy who had had some horrible, awful things happen to him, but yet was acting out in a way that we couldn't allow, and then right after that conversation, I'm finding out about another young man who I trusted, who had messed some stuff up, that was a bad day. I had a whole checklist of things to do that day, and I got none of them done. And I got home, and I told my wife, I said, Mallory, I literally did nothing today, it felt like, and I'm more tired than I've been since I got my, this job here back in March of 2020, or 2019. Whenever, when did COVID happen? Was it 19 or 20? 20, thank you. Seems like so long ago, doesn't it? Okay, it's still out there, isn't it? Sorry, I'm not going off on that. All right. It was a bad day. Sometimes life is bad. Sometimes you go to work and you have one of those days. Right? But that's not where my hope is. That's not where my confidence is. I serve a God who has secured my eternity. And so one day, two days, one week, two weeks, one month, two months, one year, two years, 10 years, 15 years, really isn't a lot when we compare it to eternity. Now, I am not saying that you just put on some fake smile and go about your business and don't act like you're hurting when you're hurting. You need to let somebody know when you're hurting. You need a church that can come around you. You need believers that can come around you and wrap their arms around you. But what I am saying is this, is that those moments are when we lean into our faith, not run away from it. Because it is through that patience and that persistence and that perseverance that we will have character produced, completeness produced, and confidence produced. Why? Because God loves us. And when we do that, tribulation will become celebration. Not that bad becomes good. Not that we go from mourning a loss in our life to all of a sudden act like everything's happy and okay. Not like we skip steps in a process. But yet we can know and understand through it all that ultimately God is working in us and through us to make us more like Christ.
Because let's go back to verse 1 and verse 2 for just a second. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And you remember, and I remember, that when stuff happens to us that's not good, when suffering comes along, if we can be reminded that we are not an enemy of God, if we know Christ as Lord and Savior, we are at peace with God. If God be for us, who can be against us, right? If we can remember... That it is by grace that we stand. And if we can remember that in those great moments we are to exalt God for who he is. And to glory or give him glory and honor for who he is. Then what will happen is this. In those dark difficult days and times that will come. We also will exalt him for who he is. We also will give him glory for who he is because we'll recognize that he is working in us and through us to complete us, to make him or to make us more like him. You know, I I truly believe when you look at verse one through verse five, that one of the reasons that sometimes we struggle in the midst of suffering is because when things are going really good, We forget that it was God that gave it all to us to begin with. So if that's the, you think about it, if the trajectory of our life is, you know, man, when I reach that mountaintop in my life and things are going really good, I just kind of start sitting back and enjoying it. Man, whoo, look at me. Well, then, of course, when you begin to suffer and things go south, there's going to be some issues. Sometimes I, I, I truly believe, and I'm, this is not Tommyology here, which won't get you anything. This is, this is God's word, uh, particularly verse 1 and through 3, or 1 through 2, leading up to verse 3 through 5. If we'll remain persistent in our walk with Christ when things are going good, it will make it easier to remain persistent in our walk with Christ when things are going bad. It will. How in the world do we close this? Well, I'll tell you how we close it. Here's the deal. Number one, you can't have any hope without Jesus. So if you're here tonight and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, like I said a minute ago, the song says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. If You're going to deal with suffering and trials and tribulation, whether you know Christ or don't. You are. The difference is that if you know Christ, you know he's working through that to make you more like him. If you don't know Christ, you're just dealing with the fallout of a sinful, broken, dark world. And I I don't want to make light of it when I say this, but good luck dealing with it on your own. You need Jesus. So if that's you, I want to encourage you tonight. I'm going to be here in the, the front as we sing here in just a moment. One more time. And I want you to come and, and, and say, hey, Tommy, I need to know Christ. And I'll pray with you right here, and you can know Christ as Lord and Savior.
But listen, some of you may be dealing with a trial or tribulation in your life. Maybe you did something that didn't help matters and brought it on, like that young man I talked about. Or maybe it's just the world around you. And if that's the case, I want to encourage you tonight. I don't want to gloss over what's tough, but I want to remind you that God is working in you and through you to make you more like Him. And hold on to that. And if you can find a little bit of joy in the midst of that, knowing that, man, you can identify with Christ even in the midst of your suffering, especially this time of the year, because He suffered for you as well, that's a good thing. Not the suffering part, but you understanding that is a good thing. Right? So maybe it's that you just say, God, give me peace. God, help me to be reminded that my salvation gives me peace with you. Help me to feel it. Help me to know it. Help me to trust it. Help me to understand it. God, give me the confidence and the hope that I need. And Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're like, man, I'm dealing with one of these tribulations. And God, I know you're working on an area of my heart and my life where you're developing a little more character in me. Well, what I would say is this, humble yourself at the foot of the cross, if that is you, and let him work. No matter how happy or not happy in the moment it may seem, let him work. Let him prune. Let him sift. Let him refine. Let him make you who he desires you to be. Let me pray for us, and then we'll sing. Lord, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for your word. Lord, if there's somebody here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, I ask you that you'll give them the courage to just come share with me tonight, Lord, so that they can accept you. Lord, if they don't want to come share right here, Lord, I, give you, I ask you to give them the courage to right where they're at just to pray and to call out to you and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. Lord, I, I need you to forgive me. Lord, I believe that you are who you say you are and that you did what you said you did. And so I'm asking you for salvation tonight. Maybe just give them the courage right where they're at to call out that to you tonight. Lord, for others in here, Lord, maybe they're struggling in an area of their life. Lord, help them to recognize that in the midst of tribulation and suffering, we can have joy, unspeakable joy. Lord, because of who you are and what you've already done in us. And Lord, because of what you're going to do in us, even if right now hurts. Even if right now is hard. And so, Lord, give us that hope. Give us that confidence tonight. And, Lord, I pray for tonight for the individual in here that seems like they've got everything going right in their life right now. Help them not to forget that it is all by your grace. Lord, so that when they do suffer somewhere later down the line, that their perspective is in the right place. Lord, we love you. Bless us as we sing. And then we pray. Amen. Stand up with us tonight and let's sing.